G'day and welcome back again to Life of Mine, the go-to mining podcast, though not limited to mining whatsoever. Now, I was kindly enough allowed to back in to re-infiltrate the Entech office by Shane McClay. Uh, thanks very much again, Shane, for having me. And, and whilst I was there, I did a couple of interviews. And today I'm going to present to you the first one. Now, the second one, that's going to be a surprise. Now, the latter I've got for this first interview Ntech interview number one is well he's one of the number ones himself at Ntech and he was one of the early blokes that come on board with Macca and he's going to be one of the main contributors to Shane's upcoming cash flow issue that he was talking about in his episode because uh, he's got to pay all these blokes out long service leave due to his very low attrition rate and again a testament to the to the business he runs and the bloke he is now the bloke i'm talking about in this episode is tristan summerford now he's one of the senior mining engineers at Entech, and trizzo he's just a good old aussie bloke with a beard and also knows how to use a computer in tandem so and uh, this episode will give a, a great insight into his career as a mining engineer but more interestingly uh, some of the awesome work he's done with Entech, such as feasibility studies and mine sites like DeGrosa and Nova, and they're very interesting projects. So uh, you'll have to hang on till the end of this episode because Tristan's uh, sign-off message that he gives is dead set the best one we've had yet in Life of Mine, so it's a must listen to. Anyway... Make sure you, uh, housekeeping-wise, make sure you click that bloody like button on the LifeMind Facebook page and also click the bloody follow button on the LinkedIn page and uh, tell every bastard you know about it to listen to it and get on board. Or I want to get everyone involved because I'm having fun and I want everyone else to be a part of it. So anyway, without further ado, I'll give, you to, give to you the bearded engineer himself, Tristan Summerford. Okay, radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy your personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. Yeah, you in the vet bag. Yeah, stitch her up there. Thanks, mate. Yeah, right, eh? Hey, copy that. Right, Tristan Summerford. Buddy, thanks for uh, welcoming me into the Entech office, mate. How you going, brother? Good, thanks, Matty. Good to see you. Been oh, a while. It has been a while. Five years, mate. I'll yeah. just, as I said, I'll, I'll repeat a lot of the stuff I said to you on the way. Yeah. <laughs> It was, uh, I, I did the Facebook stalk to get the info off about you prior to the interview and I'll see the big photo of you with your rig out after your big body transformation in CrossFit, mate. How's yes, it mate. all going? Yeah, good, good. Still loving it. Been doing it for three years now, I think. It started just after my young fellow was born, number one, and I thought, oh, start, no, my pants were only going up in sizes, mate. They weren't going down <laughs> and I started to get a bit worried that the young fella would start to outrun me and before he could even walk so i thought i'd better do something about it so i just bit the bullet got into it started training five days a week five days jeez five that's days funny so you, you've you've said right i'm resisting the dad bod i'm yep. not going down the dad bod, Didn't want the dad bod. I, I people were saying you know leonardo dicaprio had one so all the girls <laughs> liked him but i figured that was they liked him because he had lots of money <laughs> yeah you do you do see those blokes on bloody uh when they when they're at the beach and everything, they're just like yeah, they haven't got much of a rig on them. The the, per, the beauty of fake tan and you know, video editing, and we haven't got that bloody privilege. No, in that's the, right. Engineer and right. mining world, do we? Yeah. No, awesome. Oh, five days a week, and you said you your buddies struggle out after a 
uh, sleepless night of the children, mate, and still yes. managed to pump a session five o'clock. Yep, yeah, five, five, five thirty in the morning. Get up, get get there, and get it done, mate. And then it's done for the day. And I can everything else then is fine. I can have a beer in the <laughs> afternoon, and I'm happy as. Yeah, nice. Where where do you go, mate? They might give you a free gym membership. Well, maybe I, I, I train up in Lansdale, mate. So CrossFit Furnace, it's a good place, good crew. You know, and that's half the battle is just getting there and you know having a chat with a few people and just. Talking shit, really? Yeah, nice. Do you know? Did you notice a bit of a lift in your, uh, I guess, your workplace? Uh, not, you know, your capabilities, enthusiasm, oh. and and everything, mate. Yeah, oh, yeah, healthy sure. body, healthy mind. Yeah, 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 for sure, mate. Oh, it's just, I just felt better. Like I'd go to bed at eight thirty, nine o'clock, because I'd have to get up at four thirty. So it was kind of, just kind of forced me to stop drinking so much on the weekend and not binge watching Wentworth or anything no <laughs> no, no, no Walking Dead was the, I think what I was into back in the day when I first kicked it off so we'd <laughs> binge watch a lot of Walking Dead so yeah tried to keep my keep my hours down yeah no awesome mate well uh look before we get into the I guess the Entech story and just uh, your life give everyone a bit of a background I'm, I'm sure everyone knows Tristan Summerford already like if you don't he's on LinkedIn but uh mate give us a story here. what what drove you to the mining engineering field back in the day um I fell ass backwards into it mate to be honest <laughs> which is kind of funny considering I um spent a bit of time in Newman Port Edland when I was a kid Wyala um so a few BHP kind of towns and um you know traveled around mum and dad kind of moved around a bit with work and um ended up in perth went through high school and oh you know the old old boys are sparky so i used to go go to work with him a fair bit in the school holidays and earn a bit of cash mine, uh, mining sparky or just uh just a, sparky? just a tradie sparky did a bit of stuff in the um uh still works in wyala and bit of stuff on um one of the mines up in newman and that's kind of why we were up in there but so i used to in perth just give him a hand on the weekend it was in, in school holidays and kind of oh yeah i could got offered some apprenticeships through that when i was in school and kind of thought no nah, no nah, i want to i want to do some kind of engineering electrical engineering that'd be good yeah that's sparky. the hardest one there is yeah, i think that yeah, is. yeah yeah standard <laughs> you know shoot for the stars um you thought oh, no, electrical engineering that'd be that'd be the place to go and then uh yeah it did the well i don't know if it's a typical thing but year 12 got the mock exams out of the way did all right and i thought no nah, no nah, sweet i got this covered and came around to the final ones and failed well I didn't fail but you know didn't do as well as I thought and then kind of did looked back at them and went okay what did I actually do well in and chemistry was one of the subjects I did all right in and I went okay went through the uni books and went okay what's 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 got chemistry in it extractive metallurgy I don't know what that is but I'll <laughs> I'll have a crack at it so I, I'll put my name down for that got it ended up at Curtin um and was doing all these classes with these mining engineers and they were looking like they were having heaps more fun than I was sitting in a chemistry lecture. So I, I switched halfway through first year into mining engineering and that was it, mate. Yeah, so, nice. Lucky. So, and that was uh, that obviously led into the couple of years at Wasm. You did your time at Wasm, did yep. you? Yeah, so I started off, because I started at Curtin with doing the metallurgy, I, uh, I was there for two years and then shifted up to Cal third and fourth year, which kind of helped a lot because Perth was pretty distracting, you know good summer weather you go to the beach go to the pub um didn't really focus on my studies probably as much as i should have 
so moving to Cal was probably a, a saving grace for my university career. <laughs> well, it's funny you say about when how you cross because I did the same. I started civil engineering, and I'd, I'd walk past and see all my mates at these this mining barbecues, bloody skull and passion pop at one o'clock in the RV, and <laughs> telling me how much money they're earning on vac work. I'm like, what the bloody hell am I doing? I'll, I'll yeah. get into this mining gig. Yeah. yeah. And, oh God, I haven't looked, I haven't looked back. No, no, no. Yeah. So fell ass backwards into it, mate. And pretty <laughs> and and pretty lucky and and pretty happy. I did. Yeah, yeah. No, so when did you? I've, I've got on your. Uh, I've got the info here. You're uh, based on your LinkedIn. You're at uh, another man that worked at Telfer. Yeah, yeah. I've like, listened to a lot of your chats, mate, about the Telfer. Every bastard's been at Telfer. It's like that six degrees of separation. That's right. <laughs> and I was, I was thinking, yeah, you were talking about Spags, and I was, I remember Spags. He, I think he started up at Telfer not long after I kind of was just about to take off from my underground time. He'd just come in on the jumbo, and he was. He hadn't been long on the jumbo, like I'm stretching my memory back now, but yeah, he, hadn't, he was kind of just starting up on the jumbo, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, because he did a lot. Bell. He did the, was Mildew up there as well then? Wayne Miller? He would have been, well, no, he was, I think he was on there around when Spags was on. Anyway, yeah. that's a, enough name <laughs> dropping from me. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. But that's when they were doing the, um, what, the Crusher chamber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. Um, I got there just as the Crusher was being installed. Yeah. Um, so the chamber had been excavated and um, we were actually mining from the 650 up and the 870 down to link the new decline through because oh, yeah. the old decline yeah. was, was still used. So yeah. we were, you know, punching in the, the new decline on the, the other side of the cave and, um, yeah, it was, it was a good time. So I spent 18 months underground there at Telfer, yeah. which yeah. was, was Unbe- awesome. Unbelievable place, like the yeah. sh- just the sheer size and it's the, the history of it that's behind all these um shot created walls like there's I, I remember when i got there there was they were talking to there was a set of vent doors where the diamond drills were and i thought oh it must be just a diamond drill cutty or something then yeah. I, I eventually went through there we went back into the area and it's just there's just this whole other mine that was developed that i didn't even know about there is it's just unbelievable how much gold was in that joint and probably there's there's still a shitload there in varying grades but it's yeah, um, unbelievable yeah. historical place. It is, and I, I, I think about it kind of back on a lot of these places I've been, and I kind of go, I didn't really appreciate it as much yeah. as I probably should have. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I remember the five two five. I'm pretty sure it was the five two. I was trying to think about it. You know, when I was, you said, oh, you know, we'll have a bit of a chat. I was like, oh, pretty sure it was the five two five level when we used to access from the old decline and it was a rabbit warren to get through to yeah. the other side to kind of push the incline and decline again. And it was just, yeah, the the number of drives that were coming in off off those areas were phenomenal. Yeah, well, that it's funny, that 525, that's the area I was talking about. That's, I think, they called the Western Flanks and they yeah. actually went in and started mining <clears> that just before I left. And as I said, it's just this whole, this was this whole other rabbit warren that we went in yeah. and rehabbed and... Went back in there, yeah. It's un- unbelievable, big, big joint. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, how did you go? How'd you go in your underground time, mate? Good. You- yeah. No, I, I, I loved it, and I, I think I, I had a lot of help. Obviously, um, yeah. As I said, kind of working with my old man and, and spending a lot of time with tradies, kind of yeah. growing up. I wasn't ever really given any, you know, and particularly when I, I kind of knocked back a few apprenticeships and and started going to uni. I copped heaps of shit because people knew I was going to be an engineer and all the tradies just wanted to give it to me. And so... <laughs> Still and, happening and, to this yeah, day. <laughs> and, and fair enough too, you know. Like, so, yeah, I, I kind of got used to 
how people would treat me and yep. and not and and kind of understanding how you had to deal with them and and it was but i mean i loved it and i got in did everything i'll well, you know you just say don't say no just kind of get in and do yep. the job and you know help the boys out and you're a ta basically so you give man with their tool bags and all, you know it's just <laughs> oh, making know, coffees yeah yeah you know, you know you just got to do the things that, that a ta does so you're pretty much like a little bitch in a law office isn't it like yeah. you watch those moves the those uh, like suits and that all those uh, young fellas in the bull, bullpen i think they call yeah, them yeah. just uh photocopying that's uh that's about your underground time isn't it but, throwing bolts for the big but, harvey specters on the jumbo yeah that's it but the, and then but then you get the the days on service crew where you kind of I, I remember oh, i'm just trying to struggle to think now where it was and anyway we're knee deep in water and you just someone starts singing the Baywatch theme so you're running through the water you know doing your best Baywatch impersonation <laughs> getting you know. your off on yeah, yeah yeah you know just just kind of random days like that where you can have a bit of fun and, and yeah. things like that so yeah still still a good time <laughs> what did you um what were you lucky enough to get for you like your drill time and that were you on a long hole or I was on a I was on a little little long hole yeah. um so I drilled um a few few holes around the joint but a lot of my time was a lot of my time was spent putting cables in oh, so yeah, yeah. i drilled a lot of the cables in the passing bays on that haulage level yep yeah uh the workshop well, I, I saw a few of them fall out yeah actually, no, no yeah no doubt i i remember, I remember just joking they no, haven't fallen out I, I, I remember spending uh i remember getting the rod bogged and i spent probably about 45 minutes trying to get it out and yeah. i had one of the there was a truckie who was just sitting there next to me and oh geez well, i just remember like kicking the panel and you know, just <laughs> having just such a sook just like, for a six meter bloody hole yeah it. yeah <laughs> and there was just water coming out everywhere you know out of every hole and i was just oh, i was so gutted and it took me yeah, 45 minutes or something to pull those rods and i was yeah. <laughs> I was a bit defeated after that. Shift oh, as long I, as you got them out, mate. That's I did. All yeah, is, I yeah. did. I did. But uh, yeah, that that whole haulage level itself was just so impressive. Like when it was fully functional with the ore passes mm. and everything, the cave yeah. was above it. Like it was just like bloody clockwork. It was like a factory floor down there. Those open pit looking trucks just oh the dirt that was moved there was it was unbelievable watch yeah. you you'd be driving up there'd be these three or four bloody open pit kamatsu trucks flying up and then one would fling off here to this horse path and one one would fling off there it was just it was unbelievable to watch and the, yeah god they moved some bloody dirt out of there even those loaders on those levels like, yeah you know, when we I mean, we got the 2900 extras with those big buckets on them yeah you know, um towards the end of my underground time and the boys were just shifting shifting tons just mm. phenomenal amounts of dirt you know? yeah yeah those those production levels were huge you know just yeah. you've got to be careful getting in and around those because the loaders were just flying out oh exactly and they really um dude like when, when we were there like there's was, was really strict rules for a reason like yeah. there's um sign fully any <laughs> they had bogging zones set up any yeah. any entry into those bogging zones had a lanyard sign and flashing light and yeah. all positive communication yeah. and and as you say that, that was it was there for a reason because those boggers would just be flying out of those cross cuts into the ore pass back and forth and yeah. as the limited visibility look anyone that's listening that hasn't been in a bogger before go sit in one and just yeah. see how much you can see because it's uh it's best part of fuck all because yeah and 
especially when you're traveling at bloody well like you know like i don't know what you forget the speeds like say 15k an hour in a bogger that 15 when you're going around a corner feels like you're going 80 like yeah and the walls are yeah you you'd probably got 900 mil on either side of the bogger so yeah. there's not there's not much room there yeah no it was good oh mate there's glorified truck driving bogging into those all passes <laughs> <laughs> so have you got any besides your bogged rods incident yeah. mate any uh any i guess that your engineering moments you want to share from your underground time or you I suppose you come from that tradey sort of background. Yeah, I didn't have I didn't have too many big big balls up. So I remember, um, and it's funny because I got a phone call from Will uh, probably a couple of months ago. One of the underground boys I worked with, and, and we're talking a bit of stuff, and then and came back to this one story which we've laughed about now. But at the time, it wasn't all that funny because he's so we charged with emulsion at Telfer yep. and um which was beautiful because you just walk straight in the decline knees knee, uh, up to your knees in water and just start charging which was yep. good uh but we we had the emulsion rig was down so we were charging with Anfo and it was I think my first cut must have been my first cut charging with Anfo so up in the Normet basket we were giving him a hand and you know, I just didn't realise the pressure that that stuff comes out at yeah. and um and that's just for development like, yeah, yeah yeah so Anyway, I'm kind of reaching out, got, you know, in the hole and, and then um, Will's got the pedal and he smacks the pedal and I don't have a hold of the hose. <laughs> and not, not well enough anyway and the hose just comes flying out yep. and uh, gives Will a mouthful of anfo. <laughs> uh, so that was, a, that was a classic moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I said, we can laugh about it now. Yeah. At, the, at the time, it was... Uh, it was a bit of water consumed to yeah, try and yeah. wash the mouth out. <laughs> I, re- I did the same in mine. That was probably my like one of my ones. I'm exactly the same as your story. You just didn't have a hold of it properly, and it's. I think it was a wet hole, and then you feel the pressure take up. This just thing come flying out and just flicked me straight across the face. Yeah, and I've just got this. I called it. It was just a dickhead scar yeah. <laughs> across the bloody face, and oh, the the, the amphi mixed with the actual whipping feeling <laughs> yeah it, it, i mean in your case it's good because you got yourself i got someone else so yeah. i had to I, I still have to live with that yeah oh awesome no it's definitely good good fun the underground time That's, yeah that's yeah. why i bloody had to go back to it so then when you sort of finish that uh your underground side of things mate tell us about i guess your journey with the engineering mate when so you- yeah jumped up into the office at telfer and and started doing drill and blast stuff there um and it's pretty daunting going up into the office for the first time you know you've got to learn how to photocopy things and photocopy things to pdf stop, stop swearing as well yeah, yeah you <laughs> control yourself a little bit um it kind of got uh and I listened to your, your your podcast about being a good engineer and I, I, I harked back to it because it's what I did because basically my second swing there in the office, I was by myself, everybody was on holiday, so I was the only person, only drill and blast guy there. And, um, you know, some of the caves pretty easy. You just fire a ring at a time until you get to an intersection and then you got to fire the intersection out and you yeah. lose a bit of tonnage. But so I... You know, I'd be in the foreman's office going, right, how am I going to fire across this intersection? Because I had no idea, you know. Yeah. And um, I'd go down I'd go down the hole with the foreman every day and, and did that at Jundee as well and other places. So, it's yeah, it was it was pretty daunting because you just kind of go in there knowing nothing, really. Mm. Like, you think you know it yeah. and then you get up there and you're like, oh, hang on, I've actually got to put it all into practice now. And yeah. 
usually lean on a few people a bit, which I did, and and was lucky enough to have a few good people around me. So, um, yeah, it was it was good, and but I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would because it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty. It was regimented because we had an eight-hole pattern and that was it. Yeah, they're, they're, well, that's it. And that's why it's a very repetitive sort of process. It, yeah, level, yeah. Okay. it's nice low-cost mining and, and yep. you can because it's easy and repetitive, as you say. So it was an eight-hole pattern and you designed that and you designed it for hundreds of metres through the cross cuts and, yep. and that was it. And then you'd go and check out the draw points and, and that was kind of it. And uh yeah and i was on a graduate program at the time and you know there was okay you're going to do this and and then you're going to move on to scheduling and you'll do this and do that and uh, yeah i was i wasn't really enjoying the time in the office there and i was talking to a few people and and an opportunity came up at at jundee and um i went over there and and moved to jundee and and started doing drill and blast there, which was was great. I really really enjoyed the change because it was you know small stopes and people said I was crazy going on. Mine was really small stopes. I said no, you got to go to big stoping. But I think it I think it really helped going to a place like that because you're mining. You know, you've probably got seven or eight stopes on the go at any one mm. time. You've yeah. got a million charge plans to do, lots of drill plans to do. You know, I'd come in the office every day and then foreman he'd leave a, a, a trailer post-it notes from the door all the way along the planning floor office into my office all up my computer cover my computer and post-it notes about the charge plan he needed because <laughs> yeah. that's a good one I'd get, in, I'd get in for like 5 five thirty to get all the production numbers done and then yeah. you know he needed a charge plan for day shifts so like yeah it was always the one you didn't do. You know, you always yeah. said, oh, I've, yeah. I've got myself in, I'm sweet. I've, I've got it all covered. I've got all the charge plans done. And then all of a sudden, the boys are ready to charge a, a stope you weren't even prepared for. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it was it was a bit of baptism by fire. But, yeah. um, again, leaned on a few few good engineers and a few good um, foremen and, and things like that and, and got through and really, yeah, it was loved it. But I suppose it's there and it's – identifying the portents when you go to those smaller stopes like the flight like you can have all those charge plans ready but then as soon as one bridges you're fucked there yep. that's one thing that can just ruin your whole thing and then you've got to change which ring you fire and then redo the paperwork but then <clears throat> the flow and implications of those narrow vein stopes that are you know narrow you, you don't have the beauty of having all these cross cuts to yeah. fire within the echelon pattern of a cave you've got to really you one you got to get that stove fired to bring the next one on, which is the yeah. the flowing effect. Is, yeah, that's right. And even just getting your head around the like the rabbit warren that was Jundee. Yeah, would have been a, just a challenge in itself. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, I suppose yeah. you come from Telfer, like you, yeah, knew yeah, what big mines were like. Yeah, it was. But Telfer was a bit more kind of um, nicely laid out, so you yeah. could, you could understand a bit more where you were. Like I was, um, we were mining the Upper West Side North when I was first started at Jundee and. Yeah, that was getting up to the 14 and 13 west side north, which were the first stopes I designed. It was, you had to go through a drive, which was only big enough for one LV. Yeah. You know, so you, there was a little passing bay. Oh, was it all um, single boom drives, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like to get up there, and I think they must have punched another access through there later on. But um, yeah, it was like this this little single lane kind of yeah, yeah. drive that you go through to get up in there. And it was, yeah, it was kind of a bit, it was, new and like you just went hang on this what the, this is 
it's different you know, yep. underground everything was used to five by five as a minimum and yep. you know all that kind of stuff so no it was good it was good fun yeah nice so it just we'll just go just take a step back when you're talking about the sub-level cave rings and everything at Telfer and just sort of stuff I noticed when I was there and did you have dramas with I, I guess the the problem is with as you say because you, you're only allowed to fire one ring at a time because you can't yeah. recover your dirt otherwise and it's the I guess those drill and blast principles that we're all used to of leaving that three meter uncharged mm. collar but yeah because you're only firing one ring at a time did you did you have much drama there with the brow break back yes issues to the ring yep. before yeah we did and I can't remember the numbers we used I think it was two and a half meters we'd leave as a collar on yeah. every ring because you use them one it was 102s 102s yeah. yeah yeah and um big dyno truck to load those um so it was I think it was two and a half meter um, uncharged collar was mm. was the minimum from memory, but I could be corrected. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, and but yeah, it was it was like any stoke one one ring you know would be beautiful, and the yeah. next next ring it kind of break back further than you thought it would. And we had uh, you know every every firing you'd go down and inspect and kind of note brow conditions because there was a couple of trials going on at the time for. Um, yeah, different different patterns, different charging weights, and things like that. So, um, yeah, we had to go down and inspect every brow that was fired. Yeah, um, yeah, and fragmentation was kind of important as well. So you know, you know, fragmentation, mm. and brow, and quicker quicker tons out, like you. Yeah, yeah, but you don't want it to be you know you don't want it to be <laughs> rice either. You know, so because you know, you're just doing too much if yeah. it's if it's powder. So um, yeah, it was it was good. It was. It, but you know, it's kind of like anything. Yeah, some would break back, some would be all mm. right, and just luck of the draw sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we ended up um, putting in like actual brow support, like yep. and big big campaigns. Like we'd go in and like I think it was about two point seven meters was the burden around about that. So yep. you'd put a row of those um, W straps with um, splitties or kinlock. I think they were using kinlocks, but yeah, you really needed splitties just to. That, that row of W straps just half a metre in front of the next ring it just gave it that contact to break back to it and yep. just hold it up. Because as you know, once the once it broke past and the collars were up under the brow, it's just you'd have to go put poly pipe and it was, it's a pretty bloody hazardous it's a thing pig. to do. Yeah, yeah, it's a pig. And I, rem- I remember one of, the, um, one of the dino boys got wedged in his basket. Yeah. Once when I, when I was there, he um, big Bundy came out and it, the issue was... <laughs> You know, apart from him getting stuck in the basket, the shift had just seen him and then yep. taken off, and he was stuck for about an hour before anyone found him. And that yep. was from a big bundy coming out. Yeah. Yeah, and their brow had broken back a bit, and um, yeah, so it just kind of fell out and um, bounced off the reel and kind of ended up in his basket. Yeah. So you know, it was a few issues there with mm. you know, if, and that's the other drama with the cave if you crack that brow you're kind of exposing yourself to a fair bit of you know, yeah potential yeah and look we <coughs> had a <coughs> pardon me had a just even at like normal stoke charging look if you have if you are listening and having dramas with your brows breaking back and un- uncharged because even if you got you know as you know like you you can put the uncharged collars on but you still got the gases rifling yeah out the collar which is going to cause damage to you like blow off shot crude or yeah that's right and blow off mesh and look you yeah, have had a lot of success with the actual putting the ground support in and just it makes the it just makes the whole process flow so much smoother you can go in you can prep it easier you yeah it's amazing but <laughs> a funny story when um when that 
we were going in because we just campaigned a whole all drive at Telford and put the brow straps in. Yep. And um, I think it was one of my first weeks on the jumbo, on the rehab jumbo there. I've gone in and trying to just trying to figure out how to bloody turn the thing on. And um, <laughs> I've, uh, I've just, I've ended up like spearing a drill steel straight through one of the production holes. So you oh, can, yes. and, and bogged it, couldn't get it out. So the flow and effect of having to pull the long hole rig back in, <laughs> re-drill through, the, re-drill this hole. And oh shit, I think I was... Yeah, I think I was back on nipper and all yeah. the week after yeah, that. Oh, well, we, yeah. You get that, mate. You get oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, trust me, didn't. Uh, there was plenty more where that <laughs> came from. <laughs> I've got to wait for someone asking me the questions yeah. about my fuck-ups. I've got bloody... That's an episode oh, in itself. I'm, I'm sure we've all got them, mate. We've oh, all got them. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the engineering days before you before you went into the, the consultancy route, you yeah. mean, mate, what was your... I guess what did you enjoy the most? What was your bread and butter in the engineering field? Uh, uh, I, I did enjoy the drill and blast time at Jundee because it was just non-stop. Yeah. And it was, you know, you were flat out for nine days and, um, yeah. And oh, so was it nine and it five? It was nine there? and five, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was nine and five. Um, and you were you were flat stick and and there was heaps to do and it was just, there was a good crew was there as well at the time. Um, and, and, yeah, it was... I felt like I really kind of got a good handle on it there. And then um, I guess the next bit was I, I did enjoy the planning, you know, doing the designs and, and things like that and did a bit of that. Um, at Gualia and kind of meeting to long-term and short-term scheduling and, the you know, and, and again, going back to your other, you know, being a good engineer and you're sitting down with the mine foremans and the shifties and going, right, oh, this is the level we've yep. got. Yeah, and at Gualia at the time, we were kind of mining the South Gualia series, Southwest Branch, and we kind of... So there was a lot of kind of drives coming off the one access, and it was like, right, how we... What do we want? Do we need to put a stockpile in here somewhere? Yeah. Do we, you know, how are we going to lay this level out to make it easier for everyone? And, you know, pace for cutties and, you know, vent and all that kind of stuff. So it was yeah. kind of getting a good handle on, on how to lay those kind of things out and... Yeah, everybody does it differently. You give it to ten engineers, you get a hundred different answers. Mm. So, but you know, just and that's that, not even incorporating the foreman's. Yeah, opinion, that, that's right. That's that, right. Yeah, but yeah. you know, and and every foreman's going to do it a bit differently. Yeah. But you know, it was at the time kind of it was good. I really enjoyed that because it was, you know, thinking about right drainage, you know, vent, paste, you know, yep. material movement, and all that, and trying to get it all to work seamlessly. Yeah, not all the time, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, just trying to get that kind of all working together, and then realizing you've got to schedule it, and then going, yeah. all right, should I be making my life easier on the scheduling side of things as well, and yeah, yeah. those those kinds of things. And and it, the whole aim is trying to bring those the conversations you have when the the drives like one cut from end to design, and everyone's whinging about it because yeah. because it, it shouldn't have been it should have been done a different way. It's trying to. I guess when you're saying the whole purpose of that laying out the plan and getting everyone together is try to bring those conversations forward before you actually get to the point of doing it. Yeah. But it, look, it's so it's so hard sometimes, and it, like it's hard to get everyone engaged in it, and it's also hard to what might be best to develop it with the jumbo at the time mightn't be the best for when you're bogging it or when yeah. it, which mightn't be the best for the actual schedule and it's like well which part of the cycle or do you fuck over essentially yeah and it's it's such a oh you're never gonna 
get a pat on the backside, mate, that is the best level design I've ever seen because there's always someone that says <laughs> yeah. something was shit about it. Yeah, and it's usually your end of the deal that gets the raw, raw stick, mate, you, the jumbo <laughs> operator. So you, you usually go, oh, it's whatever's good to bog it out. The jumbos will just have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, look, it's been going on for years and will continue. Yeah, no <laughs> we'll doubt. Continue. Yeah, no how'd doubt. you go going to Gualia? Because I guess you went from the cave of... Telford, a your more narrow vein of Jundee, and then Gwali, you go on to the, I guess, your multi-level, which, and the, what I've heard about Gwali, it's such a well-oiled machine now, the way they mine it, it's, uh, that would have been a good learning curve in it, itself, the it, drill and blast. It was, it was good, and um, so when I got to Gwali, they'd just fired the first stoke um, of the kind of lower parts of the mine, and I can't, I forget the level, but... They just kind of fired one of the first stopes, and it was um, so I got there and I was kind of just giving the boys a hand, like doing a bit of drill and blast stuff and a little bit of planning as well. Um, and um, yeah, it was it was again different because it was you know forty degree foot wall, you know, and yeah. kind of everything tells you you're not going to pull it and it's not going to reel, but you know it does and <laughs> you can do it. So yeah, you know, and. Um, yeah, it was a, it was again another different learning curve, but I kind of didn't really hang around in the drill and blast stuff for long. I kind of got into the planning side at Gualia pretty quickly, yep. um, but still kind of had to put my hat in the ring a couple of times when the boys were away or something like that, and you know dust off the skills, <laughs> bring the bloody come out of retirement. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, Sammy Oldacre, he was your cross ship there. He wasn't was he? Sammy Oldacre. Yeah, yeah. He, he was up at the Grosserwitz. We just laughed about it because he's such a hyperactive bloke. And talking about when, like, when he was on charge up, we like, we reckon he would have been charging the pinholes. Anything he could have found, it just would have been go, go, go. <laughs> oh, he's an absolute legend. Sammy, G'day, Sam, if you're listening on your flight home from bloody Africa, mate. Yeah, Sam, Sammy's a classic. He um, the first day he rocked up at Gualia. Uh, he had he had his snake skin bloody shoes on, like he just rocked up from Northbridge. I, I, I don't know what what was going on, but uh, obviously he left his steel caps at home. But yeah. Yeah. oh, he, he used to walk around to Grusa with these white Speed Dealer Oakley bloody sunnies on. <laughs> just like you got to get rid of them, mate. Uh, yeah, I'll give you. He'll be flattered. He got yeah. a shout out. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so uh, now going on site. Uh, Obviously, Macca was, a, I guess, a big reason behind, well, the reason behind going from, uh, I guess, your FIFO lifestyle to the consulting side. Yep. When, how'd you, I guess, how'd you go to, from the transition? Was it a big big difference? Uh, I, but I suppose you would have been doing a lot of on-site work in your early days with NTech anyway. Yeah, but. yeah, there was a bit. Um, so I went, because I, I, so I, before I came to NTech, I went, oh, I, at Gualia, I said, okay, it's time for a change. I need to need to see an open pit, yeah. Because I'd never done any open pit, so I had a mate that worked at Fortescue, and some people will argue that's not an open, real open pit, but you know. Um, anyway, it's more I'll, of an open pit than Guali. Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> so I went. I went to Fortescue for. I lasted six months and realised it wasn't for me. Um, I just wasn't enjoying it. It wasn't quite as challenging as I was hoping. And again, people probably say, oh, I know it's like that. So, yeah. but anyway, I, I, so that was kind of helping me with the decision. And, you know, Macca called me up one day and said, no, you know, come have a coffee. So I met him down the road here in West Perth somewhere and sat down and had a coffee and we had a chat. And, um, yeah, it was, it was good. And then jumped on board and it was a, 
a pretty big change. The missus was pretty happy because I was home every day and yeah. and that. But yeah, there was a bit of on-site stuff to start with. But um, the degrosa um, fees had kind of just kicked off when I yep. jumped on board. So there was a bit of work to do for that because there was um, the Sammy Oldacre who who used to work at Entech back in the day. He he just gone over to africa so he just left um so i kind of stepped in and filled his shoes so there was maca myself um evan and, and uh and sammy larratt who was who was doing a bit of stuff as well so there wasn't many of us and degrusa yep. being a pretty big job it was you know it was kind of all she hands was on all deck yep yep <laughs> so um so you did a bit of on-site stuff early but um and then kind of started looking at, at degrusa so that was uh, that, and that was totally different. You mm. know, like um, just the stuff you learn and the things you got to think about on those feasibility studies. You just, you know, it blew my mind. I'm not going to yeah. say that it'll blow everyone's mind, but you know, it blew my mind. You kind of go, okay, pumping, not just pumping drill water, but all right, what do we have to pump to clear the mine before we even get there? You know, yeah, where are we going to put dewatering bores? You know, where are we going to put these kind of big big pump stations and things like that and um yeah. and this is based on like inferred and indicated resor- resources like yeah they're not even that's right you're just trying to predict stuff with absolutely bugger all information that's that's right and i guess that's kind of what i've learned over the years is that um you get these ore bodies and and you you plan for what it is going to be and then it'll change and you've mm. just got to be prepared for that and don't be precious about it because it's going to change and and uh i don't think any one of my feasibility designs has made it to operations it's always been Mm. adjusted so yeah you you've um got to kind of park the ego and just realize that yeah that's just the way it is and and you can't get too upset about it did you better early days did you sort of take it to heart a bit you know, uh, because of the, the work you the hard well, work you did i think I, t- I didn't take the the fact that people would change it i just took i think i you know like i said lots of people would do it different ways and and someone would come in and say no it's rubbish I, i'd do it this way and you kind of get stuck in this loop of just arguing about who's right and yep. it's it yep. yeah and, and and there's no no real reason it's just someone's going no i like it that way and yep. um and and yeah, and I've done it. I've done it to people as well, and yeah, gone. No, I'd, I'd if I was going to do it, I'd do it that way. Not, yeah. not that you have to do it that way, but that's how I would do it. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a funny one where you kind of yeah, you get a bit attached to it because you do spend a bit of time on it, and you mm. you think you've done a good job thinking about all the things that could go into it, and then someone comes in that hasn't been looking at it, and they see something, and you're like can't believe i didn't see it yeah i can't yeah. believe i didn't see it yeah and and you'd probably you'd look back at it now because <clears throat> you're saying like you know, i guess the the stuff you've learned over the years we're all we're continuously learning yeah and you'd you, you'd look back now at what you're doing with the the grocer stuff and stuff you were just adamant that like yep yeah, this is the way to do it yeah. and yeah even swore like even by the end of it you would have been like oh i believe something so much but then six seven years later you're like shitholes just so wrong yeah and based on new experiences yeah and new yeah that's learnings. right and yeah and and just kind of accepting that you're never going to have the final answer yeah and and um and that's okay yeah yeah 
I'll put I'll put you on the spot here. When you, let's just look back at the Degrosa because, as you said, that was your first major consulting yep. sort of work. Is there something you look back on with that project and say, "Oh shit, that I wish I wish I could design that a bit differently now, knowing what you know." As I said, I'll put you on the spot. Well, yeah, here you have, that. mate. You really have. Um, oh. Nah, no, I, I can't think of anything to be honest. But I'm like, I'm just picturing the box cut, the decline, the left hand turn, the sump on the right. Yeah, and yeah. I know there was some pretty, pretty poor ground in the initial parts of that decline. Um, and uh, whether we should have known about that, I, I don't know. Um, I think if we could have. Because the vent was always a bit of a drama as well. You know, there was those adits into the portal. It was always a little bit messy, I think. Yep. Um, and yeah. that, But as we said, all based on not knowing much about the ore. As you said, the ore body can just, at the click of a GO's button, can just shift 20 or 30 yeah, metres that's right. and, at and any a, point. And, and you're trying to keep standoffs for the decline and it's just... And there was perched water too at the top of it, just in the transition zone, I think. Um, from memory so there was a bit of water yeah. when they kind of started diamond drilling from um, just off the ore zone I think they hit a bit of perch water which we didn't really know about either so that kind of yeah hurt a bit yep. um, yeah yeah I, I I wish I knew um, yeah I wish I had all the answers but I, I yeah I can't think of anything I'd do any differently I think we had it I think we did okay um but it, yeah, it was yeah. As you say, the unknown is is mm. is hard to plan for. Yeah, yeah. And I guess as you said, it's probably probably more the actually the psychology and mentality of it. Knowing that, like, right, I'm not going to get it right, but we've got as much information as we think we're, we're doing it based off as much information as we've got. Yep. Like what? But and do you, I guess do you look at it now? Do you become pretty? Does your risk appetite change over the years when you're doing these sort of dfs designs i guess you're knowing that there could be so much variation in the location of the ore when the Mm. when the confidence goes up does your like say for decline standoffs or like does your risk appetite change and you become a bit risk averse i'd say no i don't think i'd say that i think um it depends on the level of study because if you're doing a scoping study you tend to go a bit harder at it but the what I've also found with that is that if you go in too hard at that high level, at the scoping level, you you can bite yourself in the ass because you've penciled in all these, you know, real tight decline standoff, real t- you know, going hard with development, going hard with production, and then when you come to do the next level of study, everyone's kind of locked in on yeah, you've got yeah. this, and if you want to double that decline standoff or something like that, then that's double the capital access meters and at five grand a meter that's not cheap yeah. so um i think i think i've become a little bit um i think i've tried to push those kind of scoping and those more high level studies to be a little bit more conservative rather than going really hard because yeah. i just have seen it bite you when you come to the next level and you've got more detail and you say oh actually we can't have the decline 20 meters it's got to be 35 40 meters away yeah. from the ore body and you kind of go well 
and that, just, uh, which affects so much capital infrastructure. Like, I know there's always a way, but it's just yeah. that extra rework and vent systems. And and, and, and and then you just look at, and then, you know, you, people just look at the high-level numbers and, and decline or, you know, um, capital access development's gone up, you know, 100%. Yep. And might have increased development metres by 20%. And, yep. And it's a kind of big cost. So you kind of start to, you start to try and think about, how you sh- how it could potentially play out later on down the track yeah um because and i've um what i what i have started to do is put in a diamond drill platform somewhere if it's you know if it's sub vertical or body you know you put one every kind of 100 meters vertical um you know nova was a classic we designed um and it was you know pretty flat really at um at depth so we designed a big diamond drill drive that basically covered the entire ore body and that was done in the very first design iteration we ever did yeah and it carried through every single design iteration and nobody ever questioned it yeah and it was probably three kilometers of development oh really shit so you, you put that in halfway through it and someone goes what's that three k's doing there now nah, take it out cost too much yeah. and but well hopefully they wouldn't but sometimes people get a bit you know you go oh, we need to cut some costs how do we how do we do that and so it's kind of you try and try and forward forward plan and and in terms of all right what is this thing actually going to need and what are you going to put in right right at the end um you know, well what's the layout going to be right at the end because if you if you kind of if you are putting it in halfway through and someone gets a shock, I mean, you can explain it to them and they might agree and go, yep, okay, keep it in. But sometimes these kind of things have to fall out. But if they're in there right from the start, people... Yeah. Especially when you've got change of management and, and stuff coming through. Yep. They, they yeah. Don't even, yeah. But but I guess all bodies like Nova and DeGrusel, they were such high value, like high-grade yep. high all bodies. It was it's very... I suppose you, you can afford companies like that can probably afford to put those diamond drill drives in but they're just so important to get that definition of the ore body because any any are. loss of ore is just is can big act big impact on the cash flow and yep. the recovery of the joint yeah so and you kind of yeah it's if you don't if you're not kind of putting that that kind of infrastructure in to drill it out then you know there's you're always going to be behind because you're going to be grade control drilling from somewhere that's not ideal and if you if you could have put in a 50 metre drive or even a, even a stockpile off the end of the decline or something to give you somewhere to shoot from, you know, yeah. it's... Um, Try to d- double up on as much it, as much as you, you can, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it depends on the strike as well, you know. You, you're not going to get all the holes all the time. But, you know, it's... Yeah, it, it's just a funny one. You kind of... Oh, we've kind of digressed a bit from the risk question, but, you know, mm. it's, it's... Oh, just, it's all about tangents, yeah. this mate. I was about that. So what's um look take us through because look it's a bit it's a bit foreign to me as well like like company serious resources comes to Entech and says look we need you to do a, a feasibility of or is it PF, PFS then a DFS is that how it usually goes yeah usually yep yeah yep. so look what's the look just from the I guess the perspective of Entech as a consultant or just a consultant in general like what's just give us an idea where you start like it just it'd be such a daunting thing to look at like where like from from the point where macca gets engaged by these clients to 
producing this end product. Uh, this is how we want you to design the mine. Where's from an organisation? Entech, where do you all start? Do you all is it a round table? Righto, boys, here yeah, we go. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. It's um, it's pretty collaborative, and and it, um, yeah, it depends a bit on on the client. So a lot of them will go and sit in their office for a little while and talk to the geos and go, okay, what have you got? What does it look like? And it it's about kind of just trying to look at the all wireframes, look at the block model, kind of look at the things in the block model, make sure it's got everything we need and, and there's a lot of stuff that geos need that we don't, so kind of cleaning it up and and then you just you start to have a bit of a, just a high-level think about it and scribble on some whiteboards, write on some paper and you kind of look at what you think it, it could be and then it's about just trying to run some stopes over it and kind of just run some high level optimizations on the stopes and you know a potential open pit as well if you if you're going to have a quick look at open pit versus underground yeah. um and then you you get a kind of you know you do your plain vanilla 20 25 meter sub level you know two and a half meters minimum mining width whatever you know depending on the ore body and you just kind of run these things over it and say okay put in some high level costs based on you know um, if you've got some, you know, got some rates from a recent job or something like that, yeah. you kind of apply those and go, okay, this is what it's going to cost. Therefore, that's a cutoff grade. Like, let's just run some, like, you know, stope optimizations. See what falls out the back end. And that—that's iteration number one. That, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that's it, just yeah. that's just number one, and that's yeah. just kind of trying to get a feel for, you know, the ore that's there because you know your resource model might be reported at a three gram cut or something like something like that, and you might work out that your underground development and stoping costs is going to equate to four and a half. So yeah. there's a bit of resource that falls out and then, yeah, it might not all be, it might not all hold together. You know, there might be big pods of it and then you kind of got to look at what you actually need to do to go and get these these bits of ore and or maybe maybe there needs to be more drilling or, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it just generally starts at a bit of a, High level look at the block model, run mm. a few high level optimizations, and, and start to kind of spatially look at it and work yeah. out what you can do. And that, look, that the way you approach that applies to look anyone. No, it doesn't matter what level of planning you do. Like people get this thing, oh, you like you got to figure out where you're going to put your levels. Like it's yeah, it's as simple as like look, your your main goal is to look. You got to get the you got to get every bit of ore out and yep. the least bit of waste out. And, yeah, and people some i guess young engineers might know like look you just, it's as simple as you just put stope shapes around it and then you go from there like the last thing you should be designing is your decline absolutely yeah like absolutely you work out from your yeah like, exactly who, gives, who cares about the decline like yeah. it does you make it fit at the end yeah usually. yeah for sure you know and 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 yeah that is that is the process it you know well that's the process we use anyway and and it's get those stopes it's all about that and then because you know it, the decline if it's a really flat ore body, you might just need a big flat long drive, you know. And um, you know, if it's sub vertical, the decline could be just a simple little spiral, or you know, whatever. But um, it's all about yeah, just trying to maximise how you extract that ore body and and getting those those stopes done, and um, yeah, working out the best sub level and things like that. Because yeah, lots of mines is twenty or twenty five meters, and it's just yeah. why is it well just because <laughs> exactly and, and there's no real 
yeah, I mean, some some science goes into it, and um, um, you know, I'm sure that you know, lots of minds work that work well at that that sub level because you look at you know, if it's kind of narrowish, you don't want to be drilling really long holes with a small rig. So, yep. um, yeah, you've got to kind of think about those kind of considerations. But um, yeah, there's there's nothing saying you can't have a 28 meter sub level if that's going to be the best thing for that ore body yeah and then yeah yeah, work backwards from there do your ore drives work out where you want to have your access and then kind of go okay now the decline needs to hit those access points yeah yeah Yeah. is there any sort of general i guess tips and tricks for the yeah just your decline design um I know it's just it just varies so much with your bodies and as you said your level spaces which um, mm. affects your curvature and your yep. gradient like look and and the same thing about decline gradients people think oh the decline has to be one in seven that's right doesn't no, doesn't no. have to be it can be one in eight it can be one in seven point bloody the jumbos are going to bloody hook them down anyway <laughs> but even just um for guys out there designing declines what what about like anti-clockwise clockwise radiuses of curvature like what what sort of stuff i guess have you put in your arsenal over the years um i do it pretty um i i think it's pretty simple the way i do it i look at right sub level and i generally go one and seven because you know then there are a few mines and a few operators going at one and six and a half on the declines and and the truck's getting better so they can do it um but I generally try and stick to one and seven, you know, obviously minimises kind of cost. Um, and I'll, I'll look at sub-level and go, right, I, I know that I have X amount of metres based on this sub-level where I can get from one point to another. Yeah. And then kind of look at what what curvature I could have and how much that chews up of that amount of metres, you know. Um, yeah. And then go, okay, well, can I have a figure of eight? Can I have a race course style, you know, fucking horse track style decline yep. um or does it have to be a spiral if it's a spiral how tight's the curvature you know because you don't really yep. want to go too tight yep. either and sometimes it's a necessity um because it depends again depends on mining method if all your accesses are stacked up beautifully you know a spiral kind of makes sense but you, you get a few people talking about you know issues with trucks and things just you know wear and tear on the gear and a spiral yep. so um you know it, it it i treat it pretty pretty simply but pretty methodically i just look at level space and go right it is i have this many meters yeah basic mathematics is i've got this many meters to get from one point to the next and then can i have a 25 meter radius of curvature yes no okay can i can it be what you know what does it have to be yeah um to kind of line up those access points yeah and and it's you know, it's the plan as you, when you're talking about the race course figure of eight like and it's those iterations you go through it's the the plunge of your body is such a yep. determining factor on like as you said like a that perfect spiral yep vertical ore body that's in the one spot the whole yep. way down yeah but when you start the theoretical varying, body. yeah when you start getting those varying plunges it's um yeah, and it goes back to that whole thing. Who do you who do you please? It's, yeah, it's like spiraling ore body might be that's perfect for less development, nice and efficient, easy. But like I don't know a bit might have fuck around the bog and fuck around the trucks a bit more. Yep. Um, and even like which way do you? Like I look at it like clockwise. Like if you go anti-clockwise, anti-clockwise decline means you you're turning out to your right yep. every time, which yep. means I guess your loading pockets. 
on the right hand side and your servicers are on the left yeah, so yeah. you never get an interaction there but that's like do you don't you don't you can't design a decline just to help service crew out like it's yeah it's, it's who do you there's so, there's so many little things that help different aspects of the operation but it's i guess you've got to go back to that point all the time is you want to do it as cost effective and best for ore extraction yeah your- yeah that's right and yeah you, you and you're never going to get it 100 percent right you know yeah. in in the execution you've got to be pretty close but you know at, at at the level of study kind of when you're looking at scoping or through to fees you are never going to get it right you've got to get it pretty close and and you've obviously got to be within you know a, a few percent but it's all about well it's not all about it but it's about accounting for the meters and making sure the costs are there and and that it's not going to be a ball like and you know it's achievable so because yeah. someone will come in whoever you know owns the project will come in and go right now i'm gonna do an execution plan and they'll they'll re- generally redo it and yeah and you know if you've if you've if you've helped them out and they don't have to change much then that's good but you know generally they'll put their own stamp on things yeah and and you would have seen this before i'd imagine that i guess because you're doing the you're pretty much doing the top to the bottom of the mine whether and where look things do change and you've designed it that way for a reason but then you get some get an engineer come in that's when it gets to the as you say the execution stage they're like no i don't like that i'm going to change it for this level yeah but they don't appreciate the thought that's gone into something that's maybe four levels down. Yeah. Why it is the way it is. So yeah. I guess you'd advise, uh, look, if you do see these uh, feasibility studies and you think, well, why the hell have they done that? I'm just going to change it. I'd, I'd probably advise give Tristan a call. Yeah. Just, say, <laughs> just say, look, and, and look, there might be just a, it's something that this person that's looked at it for, because you, you get bloody so caught up in like doing these jobs and you that, that's your so focused on it and then yeah. it's uh there'd be a lot of things that you'd know about that project that someone looking at it for a couple of days wouldn't yeah and yep. it's yeah i'm sure you'd be willing to share that oh listen it yeah, it, yeah. It, and and even just kind of and i know they're pretty dry documents and and it's not fun to sit there and you know it's not bedtime reading you know it, well it, it is if you want to go to sleep yeah, that's true <laughs> that is true um you know if if you you kind of go into a mind that that is kind of recent and has had a study done you get a chance to kind of flick through some of the sections you don't have to read all of them but you know if you if you want to know about the mining side of it then you best have a bit of a look through it because it can it can help um yeah and, and you can kind of get a bit of a feel for it now they're not all they're not answering every single question but at least you kind of get a feel for that kind of macro scale that it's been it's been yeah. looked at in and um yeah it's you kind of try and get the backbone of it done and just know that oh if there's a, a sump needed in the decline you'll be able to put a sump in you know or you know something silly like that where they yeah you know, sumps on levels sumps on declines people have different opinions on on those so you know it's if you want to change those kinds of things yeah. that's fine but as long as they then line up again if they lined up to start with so yeah. train holes and less pumps and yep all that kind of stuff. So, what, what's your view on? Because that's a that's a good good topic in itself. Sumps on levels, sumps on declines. Because my or my I love my my. I'll just put my bloody Go. my Go, one mate. out straight up. 
I like having sums on declines and accesses that all are all one in fifty Agreed. up. Yeah, and, no, and look, you can still have your, you can still have a sump on that level. It's just when you go past it, you you know you put a bit of a jumbo puts a bit of a camber in the road or just yep. hooks the grade down a bit, and you just create that divot. And your your water still flows into your sump. Yeah, but you just avoid having that big massive bloody puddle, and you're still getting your water off the decline or the yeah, decline. No, sump. I, yeah, I agree. I prefer yeah. to have them on the decline. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that. That again, personal preference. I don't like the fact that you have to go down onto a level, and if that drain hole blocks up, that level starts to get flooded, and yeah. LVs and loaders and everything has to go has to go through that water. Yeah. And yeah, you know, the argument is, oh, if it's on the decline, it's going to wash out the decline. You know, if that drain hole clogs up, but uh, you know, there's going to be another sump just down the road that it's going to get to and it's going to yep. arguably well it depends how badly it floods in the level it could end up on the yeah, decline, anyway. On the decline so, anyway yeah um, yep. so yeah no I, I prefer having it on the decline mate yeah and what do you what do you recommend for and because the sumps are another one that they try to skimp on the because it's a it's a, it's waste development it's yep. bloody it's a it's a luxury more than anything um because you see some joints i'll just take a strip and a cut and that's it for your sump whereas they yeah Feel like, it, it, look, and it comes back to look. You got to be bogging them all the time. Yeah, in that shift to bog your sumps. How, how long do you usually make your sumps? Oh, I, I usually depends on the water. In yeah, the I, I, I kind of usually try and make it, you know, two drags and like, like kind of maybe seven meters or so. You know, yeah. so you get a couple of drags, and so you get your first full cut, and then you take a full cut, and yeah. you know, because it's it's just long enough to be able to get the bogger in and do a bit of bogging. And if you're going to have, yeah, there's so many different ways of having lots of water storage. Sumps, you know, directly down are not the best way to store water. They are just to catch it. Yeah. If you're going to store it somewhere, it needs to be accessible by a loader or, you know, to be able to clean it out, you know, and mm. whether that's a, if you've got the, excuse me, if you've got the, the ability to mine a big long drive, you can just go down at one and six or one and seven for, 10 meters and then go flat yep. and then have a drain hole back up so it's yep. gonna you know and you have the drain hole so it's you know the bog is going to get in and be able to go down that flat bit and bog the entirety of it yep. it's not going to store much water because the level's pretty low yep. so you've got a if you've got a lot of water to store some aren't the place to do it you use those to divert water from the ore body or wherever it is and get it to a proper storage location because it's like you say, loader's got to get in there and bog it out. Yeah. And, you know, we're notoriously kind of bad at it, I think. <laughs> yeah, generally. well, it's, it's just one of those habits you've got to get into. Yeah. And then there's always something else to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And there's yeah. always a, you know, rebog to do, jumbo's waiting on you, something like that, you know. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I try and treat them as they're not a water storage area. They're just a diversion for the yeah. water. Yeah. Oh, and you see some of the best, the best bogger ops I've seen, they're just... As soon as they're bogging ahead and in the level, they've got the chain down in the sump and they're once they get into their last few buckets, they're bogging the sump, chucking it on the face, 
yep. and, and getting two for one. They're washing the yep. washing the shit out of the corners and bogging the sump at the same time. Yep. And it's uh, yeah, you get a bit of mud on there sometimes yeah. and it's all right. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. No, well, there you go. There's a few funny tips and tricks you'll get for free off Truzo. Yeah. You get, uh, they're a lot cheaper than what he charges there, I reckon. Oh, you're right, mate. You're right. <laughs> always always happy for a chat, Matty. Always happy for a oh, chat. Oh, mate, it's good. It's yeah. good. We'll have to get one where we've got beers next time. Oh, that, yeah. No, oh, do. mate, the, the recording studio I got out the back, which is literally the table next to the fridge at yeah. home. That's, uh, you don't get any flash in yeah. that, mate. <laughs> they're all talking about these soundproof bloody curtains and all these recording rooms. I don't even oh. use headphones. No, it's I just... Like, I was nah. going to say, mate, I, I haven't heard too. Like, I reckon the sound quality's been crap. Oh, yeah, I've learned a bit on the run. They're, they're all at different volumes. Usually. I've been pumping the YouTube for the, <laughs> how to use all this audio uh, software. Google, hey? Oh, Google. oh, that's it. I don't know how people, like, got through life just having the big chest of Encyclopedia Britannicas on the, in well, the wall back in yeah, the day. And I've, I've, you've had the discussion where, you know, kind of Google's killed those pub arguments that you used to have with all the boys. <laughs> yeah, because everyone know. just rips their phone yeah, out now. Yeah, and it used to be that if you said something with confidence, you know, you'd be really <laughs> confident about it. People go, oh, he's obviously knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And, and now they'll prove you wrong. Yeah, well, you get those. You ever done many trivia nights in your time? Like, you oh, know, I have. There's, there's always that guy on your team and they're just they're that confident every time yeah. they give you the answer it's just with absolute conviction yep. and and it's like you, this guy knows I'm what not he's arguing about. Him, but yeah and and he's wrong every time yeah. every time it's like oh, oh you're kidding yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh so mate oh before we finish up i guess i think i asked maca this as well and he had some very interesting answers um Look, you've covered such a diverse range of stuff in your time with Entech. Yep. Um, I'm sure varying ore bodies, varying mining, something, something, some stuff probably not even to do with mining and blowing up rocks. Yep. Anything you've, anything you sort of haven't uh, haven't touched that you that you're keen to get into? Ooh, I haven't touched. No, I think I'm, I'm pretty kind of. I think I've had a pretty good, pretty good crack at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm. I class myself as mostly underground focused, and yep. but you know I've and you've established open pits and boring from yeah, your perspective. Yeah, that's well, <laughs> open pit iron ore was anyway. You know, but the interesting thing with that was the surface miners. You know, the veneering machines they cruise along and yep. cut up the dirt. That was pretty cool to see, and just the vast, vast emptiness of space that they, yep. these open pit mines have. But um, oh, you know, I. I can punch out an open pit design and schedule if the need arises. Um, but I, I, my bread and butter is underground. I, that's what I enjoy, and I enjoy yep. getting out to sites and getting underground and having a look. And yep. yeah, um, anything. I haven't. Nah, because Mac, Macca's one was uh, like just looking at a lot, a lot of the technological advances. Because as you know, mining's a pretty uninnovative industry. It, it, it is. We're still drilling the same burn as we were forty years ago. Yeah, and and you know that's the the thing at the moment. It's the big thing is you know technology and and yep. and getting it in. But um, and Macca probably talked about it. Oh, I can't remember, but you know nobody wants to be first to be first. You mm. know because it is. Although there's there's all these these technologies out there they're not really widely used at the moment and yeah. um you know there's you know there's a few people having a good crack at it so it'll be really good to see how that how that turns out and um yeah there's not as you say we're not real innovative um even you know loaders and trucks they're just kind of getting a little bit more efficient but they haven't yeah. really changed that much you know, yeah over the years yeah um 
And that was funny, as someone was telling me, I might, might be repeating myself in, from a previous episode, but I think Steve Coglin did a, a presentation at Diggers and Dealers one year, and it was about jumbo meters, like, because uh, as you know, we've got quicker, faster drifters yeah. now compared yeah. to back in the day. And he actually showed some figures that uh, said that we the meters advanced over the last. 30 years i don't quote me on the figures. Yeah. 30 years had not changed at all even with these quicker jumbos because <laughs> oh. uh, obviously pattern bolting has been introduced yeah and, yep and yeah, slows like, the cycle down yeah and, yep. and look very varying ground conditions but a lot of it is the bolting cycle yep. and, may, and maybe look a lot more procedures in place now but um yeah even with this quicker machine it hasn't improved it. so it'll be looking at that next step of actually i think, I think so to, yeah i mean and it it's just such a hard one to kind of wrap your head around because you you look at how far things have come you know and, and mining technology is it's kind of improved vastly on the technical side of it not necessarily you know in the actual you know digging the rock and drilling the holes and things like that but you, you look at how far things have come you know in 10 15 years and you mm. go well, where's the next 10 15 going to take us yeah and, and you try and you're trying to second guess that and you you're probably going to get it wrong but yeah <laughs> that's that's your that's your uh i guess that's what you're in the game yeah, for, and, so yeah predicting what you don't know yeah that's right yeah <laughs> you don't know what you don't know i suppose maddie yeah. but it, it is it is a pretty exciting space and, and what about this i guess your software evolutions over the time you've been with it's probably changed a shitload even since you've been with Entech with, with yeah. deswick coming to the forefront yeah. now yeah deswick's pretty pretty prolific out there um are you, just, you are you using yeah deswick? Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so i like um lots of lots of our clients are using it so um we use it we've got got a few licenses and we've got data mine as well and surpack and um so kind of jack of all trades mate on on the software side you (laughs) kind of have to be um uh yeah but it's what often is is um you know processing power is probably the one of the kind of best changes that i've seen you know like i'm so like computer computers get yeah, faster it's, or, yeah. or um you know running kind of um stop optimizations for for degrusa i'd start that at uh, you know get home put the computer on the desk hit the go button wake up in the morning and it'd, you know kind of be almost finished yeah right and yeah you know, and just those kind of in it now you probably run something like that in in a couple of hours oh really yeah yeah yeah. so it's just just that kind of stuff where you kind of go it's that's that's done pretty well and and yeah, I don't want to nerd out too much because I'll, I'll get it all wrong because I just know how, I just know how to push the buttons. So. Oh, mate, mate, this is all about bloody anything till it's if until it's falsified is essentially true yeah. on this show, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's that's kind of I mean the software. I mean, you know, Deswick was born out of EPS and and Mine Two Four D, so there's yeah. they're fairly similar. So. Um, there's there's been some good little tweaks within it but um yeah overall that that kind of scheduling software stuff hasn't changed a great deal from i don't think you know there's some handy little tools that they put in there um i would say in in deswick just the ability to 
change the actual wireframes of Stopes live and not have to rerun like so use 5D planner. Yeah. And just and especially exporting in and out of VPS, something wouldn't be the same as when you left it and oh just the bloody swearing that went on and the throwing computers out the window inside my head. Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually do it but I was pretty close to we've we've all we've all had those moments, mate, where you just kinda (laughs) you need to get up, take a breath and walk away, otherwise something's going out the window. Yeah, no, we've uh, all done that yeah <laughs> oh geez i don't that's why i'm boring holes at the no, moment yeah mate. it's you kind of get a point get to a point where something falls over and you lose a few hours of work and you go i should have saved that <laughs> yeah yeah I really should have saved that oh the old control less gets it well you'd just be you'd be doing it in your sleep now you'd no 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 i still make those mistakes mate i'll still i'm a slow learner you know you'll get to a point and you're like yeah no i should save no i'll just get this done and then i'll save it and then uh, yeah she falls over and you walk away grab a coffee or something like that yeah take a breath <laughs> oh oh don't envy you yeah uh, good on you mate no thanks Abe Trezo that's no worries, been mate. a bloody great chat mate. No, yeah it's I, I been good know, hopefully hopefully all aspects yeah I, I hope we haven't lost too many people along the way oh, you know? mate, there's some bloody nerds out here that would just be relishing oh, at the opportunity oh, to listen to you mate. When, when, yeah yeah i'm sure <laughs> i i was thinking about it this morning you know because we we're trying to tee this up a fair while ago and now i'm a bit i'm a bit concerned for you mate because right if i'd come in right at the start yeah and and the thing had failed <laughs> it couldn't have it could have been your fault <laughs> oh, no. but, but now it's pretty successful and you're doing pretty well you're coming in the right so <laughs> so so if it now falls over it's definitely going to be oh, my right. fault oh i thought you were saying yeah right no no you're yeah. doing pretty well mate so oh, gotcha so yeah. so i'm a bit concerned that see if what things, the tristan virus is going to yeah, do that's to right. the program yeah 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 that's right <laughs> no i think everyone's uh we're catering for the that's what uh macca said he says oh you, you it's so diverse i said well yeah. it's it's not by accident it's not by not purposeful not it's by just design. like right are you're next yep then yep. i'll go to you right old yep. mates available next week yeah and it's just whoever i can uh i'm not paying i'm not paying 50 grand for a pa no, that's <laughs> so right. she's all uh yep. she made she's rough as guts and i think that's the uh that's what we're aiming no, for well, I, I i got a sneak peek as to who's coming up soon so i'll uh stay tuned yeah well i got i got evo next um mcgurns I'm, I'm keen to talking about the innovation keen to him up about all this fancy survey gear and yeah text. yeah they're doing some, no, they're doing got. some pretty good stuff with pit surveys and geotech analysis and things like yep. that so it's yeah yep. pretty cool no she's a, she's a bloody production line here in Antec office today it's like bloody sunrise and koshi i've got the uh, yeah. line in them all <laughs> be great no thanks hey Trizzo. you no, got a you got a sign off message or a tips and trick one thing you want to pass on to your uh, the people that want to be that want to be a Tristan Summerford? Uh, well, one thing I, and it's it's going to let a few people down because it's not as uh, enlightening as I would have would have hoped, <laughs> Maddie. But I, I think it'll, I think it'll, it was always something I used to, you know, tell people and it's, um, it's always shit on work time, Matt. Shit on work That is, that's the best one I've had so far. That is the best one I've had so far. <laughs> Righto, ladies and gents, you heard it here from Truzo first, and make sure you're bloody shit at work. Catch us. <laughs>